Well, hello there, and welcome once again to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 21, and I am Chris, and I am joined as always by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm pleased to finally be recording this. <laughs> we, we had quite a um, an ordeal getting this to work, thanks to Skype and my Wi-Fi and everything. So the fact that I've hit record and it's recording, this is progress. This is good. <laughs> and I am joined by Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. I, I should have remembered to like bring like the sacrificial chicken to the Skype gods so we can actually <laughs> get it off on the right get the first go. The sacrificial chicken emoji to the Skype gods. But hey, you know. Yes. And Avon is able to join us again this week. Hello, Avon. Hello, hello. How's it going? Um, <laughs> everything seems to be doing all right. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? <laughs> yes. Never know how that fickle internet's going to be. And so this week, in a little while, there's going to be some talk about The Good Dinosaur and Peanuts, two of the big animated movies of recent months. But before that, we are going to discuss some animation news, including the um, Annie Awards and some other things. And also, I would just like to say, hey, Christmas is coming up. Um, and if you happen to be perusing the interwebs and buying some presents for your loved ones and you are using, say, Amazon.com, then it would be awesome if you would do so by going via our links on animationforadults.com for its Amazon UK or Amazon US. And if you do that, you would actually also be kind of buying a double present and supporting your favourite animation site slash podcast assuming that's us <laughs> hopefully we're at least in the top three um, yeah and also you can if you go on the website you can also find some interesting trials and stuff get free audio books and stuff that you can do and also help the site out at the same time and that would be great and we'd be very grateful um, especially with Christmas coming up and all that um, and also I have a bit of site related news and that is to say that Rachel here is stepping up to become our US editor. Woohoo! Yay! Yay. Woo. Thank you all for having me. I'm gonna, I'll try to do right by you. <laughs> yeah, moving up in the world. <laughs> it's gonna got, be fun. It's gonna be yeah. fun and we're gonna make the site even better. Yeah, so we've got USH HQ now. It's good. <laughs> Going international. Yep. Right. Officially, uh, officially. Officially official. And <laughs> congratulations. And Thank you very much. Now let's talk some animation news. And the big story of the week is the fact that the animation awards, that well, the Annie Awards as they are known, who are organised by... Asifa Hollywood. Yeah, Asifa, that's it. I'm looking in my article for where it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by Asifa Hollywood... Uh, who obviously are the animation industry body in the Hollywood area, and they obviously—you could call it the anim- the Oscars of animation if you haven't heard of them—and it's where all the big animated films and TV shows and other productions get the chance to be awarded outside, like Oscars and 
BAFTAs and Golden Globes and everything because it's all animation all the time mm-hmm. um, and this year there's uh, good news for Pixar because they've got two films out in the same year they've managed to get a record 25 nominations dang Whoa. the thing is though they can't win them all no in several obviously. categories they're going up against themselves so <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be weird Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, "Yay, boo!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to be happy or sad. I've won and lost at the same time. Um, so in the big categories, uh, the best animated feature, the nominations are Anomalisa, Inside Out, which is obviously the first Pixar film, Shaun the Sheep, the movie. That's mm-hmm. good news. Uh, the Good Dinosaur, being the other Pixar movie, and the Peanuts movie. Um. So that's good. Uh, tough, tough uh, competition, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm. But <laughs> also particularly interesting this year is there is a new category, which is Best Animated Feature Independent. Oh, new category now. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is introduced for the first time, and it means that this year we have got... Um, and the nominations are The Boy in the World, which is the oh, Brazilian. Oh, Cahill Gabrain's The Prophet. The Boy and the Beast. Yes. The and When Marley Was There. So, 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 um, that's, uh, G Kids, like. That is the G themselves. Kids Award, uh, could be called. <laughs> um, except. Boy and the Beast, I Boy think. Boy and the is... Beast is, is, um, Funimation Distribute. Yeah. In the US, um, mm-hmm. although you could probably call it the Studio Canal Award in the UK, because uh, well, 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 they haven't got Boy in the World. I don't think I don't know. They haven't got uh, the Boy in the World or the Prophet. No, the Prophet. It's been screened at Manchester Film Festival. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's been and yeah, it's Manchester it's... Animation Festival that happened this year. Yeah, but it hasn't got a distributor. No, that's been announced anyway. Mm. Uh, but that's good though. That's good. Like these smaller movies are being recognised at least at the Annies. Yes. But here's the question: Is it kind of ghettoising these films as well? Because ah, uh, okay. Say, say last year, last year's one of the big nominations was Song of the Sea, mm. and I. Uh-huh. Would Song of the Sea be nominated for Best Feature, or would it have been nominated for Best Feature Independent? Ha! And how come Anomalisa? How come that's decided as a just Best Feature and not Independent? It's, I, it's... I would guess because it has major studio backing. I mean, yeah. but but the I I know exactly what you're saying because it was only picked up by Paramount. Mm-hmm. They they did not um, produce it. It's partly crowd Kickstarter for a start. It's Kickstarter, and then uh, yeah, just like Starburns, I think, right? Yeah. So sounds independent to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, I I I would say it's pretty much just non-Hollywood movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it seems like it's saying to me because don't forget, like it's it's a C for Hollywood's um, award ceremony, and it's like a. An opportunity to 
to recognize the major talent, um, you know, in Hollywood animation studios primarily, mm-hmm. I would say. Because if you look at like all of the, um, TV, um, nominations and all of the, also they have like special awards achievements for like, you know, effects animators and they really go to town like recognizing all the artists. They have storyboarding awards and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would guess it's probably just Hollywood distinction. It's a bit like the best independent, uh, best like um, foreign language films at the Oscars, or whatever. Yeah. Where you kind of feel like is there that is there the best film then they should be going up for best picture or whatever. And it's also kind of like the way the um, the best British film at the Baftas, for example. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. So. I mean, awards, awards ceremonies are never, um, they're never perfect. And, and they're also kind of, um, they're not completely free of being commercialized either. Like everything. Yeah, certainly not. So, I would say that probably, unfortunately, like as, as, you know, the Annies get bigger and they also have a bit more, um, influence on, uh, on voting, uh, in, in, in the, in, in the next few, uh, awards, like, uh, the Golden Globes are kind of influenced by the Annie somewhat. Um, I think that's kind of inevitable, unfortunately. Because the first time I heard about the Independent Award, I was like, yay! And then, when I thought about it, I was thinking, hang on. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Is this actually good or not? I'm not sure. Like what, what qualifies as a independent versus a just a regular feature? Because mm. it feels like, you know, if Song of the Sea hadn't been nominated for Best Feature or whatever, that would seem wrong to me. Yeah, but likewise. If, if the fact that, you know, if that category existed, it could have won the Best Independent Feature, then it's hard to judge <laughs> if that's a good thing. Because it's like, yeah, it might have got an award. But it wouldn't have got, wouldn't have been competing for the top award. So yeah, it's like it's like um at least this is a strange comparison, but it's like a contest that I've seen in um like in uh sometimes I go to Otakon and they have those anime music videos and like you have all those various categories and you have winners of each category, but then they have the top winner, which is basically best in show. It's like which is the one everyone votes for, and that's like top billing, kind of it's like you know. You have all these subcategories, and winning in one of those is great, but, you know, winning best in shows, like, the ultimate. And that's the same. I, I would I would imagine it's the same with best animated feature in general. Well, interesting thing is that in the director category, directing an animated feature, um, interestingly, some of the independent features are represented there. Um, the Prophet is up there. Mm. Yeah. When Marnie was there. Hmm. It's mixed in with Inside Out, Sean the Sheep, Anomalisa. And inter- interestingly, Extraordinary Tales, which is an anthology oh. that was released by G Kids, um, that was about Edgar Allan Poe stories. Um, so that's, oh, yeah. That's a pretty major deal that that's been nominated for Best Director. Hmm. Because it's not up for Independent or whatever, so well done to them. And yeah. Um, and Is it based on budget? I mean, I don't know. 
This is direct directing an animated feature production, mm. so I'm... I mean the independent the independent category. Hmm. We we think it's Dan suggesting probably just outside Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's pro- it, it's probably. Hang on, show the sheep. That's not a Hollywood film. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, I just have wondering if that. That's British, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've really no idea. I mean, do you do you have to do you have to pay to to uh, get nominated for an Annie? Like, is it something to do with just marketing budget? It might also be to do with like what's been submitted for what award, I suppose. Because, um, like, yeah, an, another issue that people will be talking about in the Golden Globes is what gets nominated for because um, they have best. Um, film drama and best film <laughs> comedy, and there's nothing in between. Co- comedy and musical, and a lot of things that get nominated for drama or comedy, people are like, "What? Well, that's not a comedy." Like mm. people are talking about The Martian having been uh, submitted as a comedy. Really? Yeah, um, huh. and that's because they submitted it as a comedy. The studio. Um, oh wow! Oh, because it will probably win as a comedy, but not as a. Yeah, but it's not probably going to win drama. So right. there's, it's possible that it's a case yeah. of things being submitted for that category. I don't know. And interestingly, all the other big Hollywood films like Home, uh, which you may have heard my thoughts about last week, uh, <laughs> and Minions, um, mm-hmm. and T- Hotel Transylvania 2, they have to basically settle for technical awards. They've got nominations, but they're not up for film. Uh, film oh, I see what. Okay, I see what you're saying about like settling for technical awards. I would say that's a bit harsh, and that's something that I really like about the Annies. Actually, is that more more often than not, there's not many problems with technical or artistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with um with technical achievement or artistry. Within animated movies nowadays, I don't think. Yeah. I think the the big things that set them apart is just like script and concept and things like that. And I like the Annie's because it's an opportunity for someone's like storyboarding to be recognized in a film that might not necessarily be the best movie, yeah. but their contribution and, or you know, like effects animation. Um, and kind of the the way that they break down animation production as much as, you know, the Oscars just swoon over costumes and things like that. Yeah. And Sanjay Super Team is among their best animated shorts. Um, alongside Don Hertzfield, World of Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's a so short then? Is that like under 40 minutes? Because World of Tomorrow is quite long, isn't it? It's like half hour. Yeah, I I guess it's probably yeah, mm. like under feature length. Because <laughs> I was I thought that was I actually thought that was a feature. I was a bit confused. Mm. No, I, at this point I would love to learn more about the guidelines of what you know each and one of these shows and uh, episodes and films and stuff like. How do you categ- how how do these categories really work? Outside of you know in, um, individual acknowledgements and rec- and you know, uh, nominations and so forth. I mean, I, I, I think they just get, they get so technical that people don't really 
understand. I've watched the Annies. They they stream them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they have like celebrities coming up to present like a outstanding achievement in like technical directing <laughs> in animation, and they're like, "Well, well done for you." <laughs> you have no mm-hmm. idea. Like, Not nearly as much of fanfare as like say the Oscars or the Grammys or. No, no, yeah. and, and and also sometimes like the best animated feature is like just excised from the BAFTAs or the Oscars sometimes, and they don't even they they don't they didn't I don't think they even broadcast like the best animated short last year. What the mm. BAFTAs for the Oscars? Oh, I don't know. I thought they I thought they broadcast the whole thing with the Oscars. No, actually, no, I there think... are so many that they leave out. Yeah, I think. uh yeah, I, I remember, I, I watched, um, like, most of the Oscars, or was it Oscars or the, I'm, I'm trying to make sure if it was the Oscars or another award show that I, I remember sitting, watching the whole thing, waited for, like, animated category, and nothing came, and I'm just like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I only, I only really watched the BAFTAs, because it's on, it's on BBC One, and they do it in two hours, they edit, they edit it down. It's like, and it's oh, usually presented by Stephen Fry. Yeah, I could, I could cope with that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, don't have to, you don't have to take a day off like you do with the Oscars. Um, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds a lot more bearable. Um, but yeah, it really annoys me when they cut out the best animated feature and then they just do it like in a montage at the end. Ah, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And shall we talk about the TV? Sure. Yeah. Um, in the children's category, the nominations are Clarence, Gravity Falls. Yes. Harvey Beaks, Sanjay and Craig, Star vs. the Forces of Evil, Steven Universe, and Wonder Over Yonder. All awesome shows. Yes, I have heard many good things about Steven Universe and Star and Wonder Over Yonder. Um, and I've seen very good things from Gravity Falls, what I've seen so far. Mm. And then in general audience, the nominations are Bob's Burgers, Bojack Horseman, which is very impressive that that's there. Um, the Simpsons and Moonbeam City. Hmm. I'm surprised still... to see The Simpsons there. I mean, I'm well. I, I say I am surprised to see The Simpsons there because it's been. This, I mean, I'm sure they've been there in the in the past, but just like it just keeps they keep consistently being there despite how everyone else's opinion on the show and how it's just been going on and on and on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really impressed. Bojack Horseman's there, and I'm really pleased that that's there. Yeah, it's not even on television. <laughs> um, yeah, that's happening a lot. Actually, they were talking about that on the treatment. Like, uh, there are a lot of shows that are, I mean, that's happening with movies too. You know, things that are like on Amazon and like, yeah, uh, there, and in the bunch, High Castle. <laughs> yeah, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of Amazon series that have been nominated in categories as well, and other Netflix things. Um, the uh, I think it's made for mainly made for Netflix. The Cartoon Saloon, Puffin Rock, um, is up. Got some awards as well, nominations as oh, well. Oh, I know that's actually that's broadcast in Ireland. Ah, okay. Wow. But it's on Netflix. Yeah, um, yeah. O- outside Ireland. Um, yeah, but Moonbeam City. I've still only seen the pilot, but it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really need to watch watch more of that. Uh, so I'm pleased that's there as well. But do they just give it to the Simpsons? I don't know. <laughs> do they? <laughs> Is it the Simpsons Award every year? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised I don't see any. Uh, I don't. I'm looking at it myself, and I'm not seeing any Rick and Morty anything in here. No, I was. That is that is something that's missing here. I, did I, I, I noticed that. I'm look. I'm looking at it like okay. 
I guess, like, I'm wondering, like, did you switch out The Simpsons with, like, Rick and Morty or something? <laughs> That's really interesting. I didn't even notice that because, um, Starburns made Anomalisa. So they're kind of recognizing them for that. But it, yeah, it's really noticeable considering, like, the acclaim and everything that, um, Rick and Morty's got and how much conversation has been around it that it just seems to have been completely shut out. Yeah, I don't know if it has something to do with, like, I don't know, Justin Roiland's general, like, hurricane attitude towards <laughs> everything. <laughs> you know, like, the fact that The Adventures of Puss in Boots is nominated for voice acting, and Rick and Morty isn't. <laughs> it's, it's not even Antonio Banderas! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that's funny. Yeah, it might be, that again, it might be a case of what's been submitted, I suppose, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't know with all these things. And frankly, I I think the, the the main takeaway for me with like any award show, but like particularly the Annies, is that it's a night where people are kind of recognised who wouldn't usually be. Yeah. And they have an evening to celebrate. You know, lots of work which would go unnoticed otherwise. Which is good. Or relatively mm-hmm. unnoticed. You know, appreciated but not without. Uh, but without fanfare, really. Right. It's kind of like the VES Awards, kind of. <laughs> Only they're even, like, yeah. low-key. Those are really fun. I actually, I'm sometimes, uh, I, I played, I was a judge for, like, a preliminary judge for for that. Um, it's super fun. You just um, basically watch a lot of really awesome special effects all day long. <laughs> hey, that sounds cool. It's super fun. <laughs> but just the preliminary, though, not the, like, still really awesome <laughs> but yeah same kind of thing like uh you know giving people credit for like technical stuff and animation mm. it'll be interesting to see uh how the pixar films do though because i think the annies have kind of got a reputation of not necessarily being the same as everyone else like i think the was it did um wally and kung fu panda come out in the same year i think they did is that the right, the two, right two. Oh, God. Oh. I think Wally was the year before Kung Fu Panda, actually. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe. I know, I think it, I think, I think Wally was 2008, I think Kung Fu Panda was 2009. Yeah, I yeah, th- yeah, I think so. Because I think, like, Kung Fu Panda won best fe- animated feature. It might have been up against Up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was up, up against, it was like. There was one that was considered by everyone. Oh, this is the obviously the best. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. I I think there is also something of a like DreamWorks preference, or mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to say like bias or anything. Um, but I think I remember last year watching it and like How Stranger Dragon Two like pretty much swept swept the floor with everything else. Um, That's unsurprising. It's not, uh, but it was also, uh, like, the atmosphere in the room seemed to be that there were lots of DreamWorks people there. I, I think there was, there has been sort of controversy. I think, like, there was a point where all DreamWorks employees had to <laughs> to be a member of a CIFA or something like that. Right. Oh. Um, and there was, there was one year or two years that Disney weren't involved. They, right. they, um... Well, this is the thing with all the award shows. It's like there's going to be some politics, and it's not like it's regulated. It's still, you know, it's gonna it's it's involving people who have 
alliances and allegiances and agendas and things like that. And I, I think mean, that, to me, like the I next reality they, I, show. Yeah, I think they do a good enough job of staying away from it. I mean, certainly much, uh, much, much, much a better job than like the Golden Globes or the Oscars do. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still there, and they're not going to be perfect. Yeah, there's. Uh, I feel like there's no need for that. <laughs> no need yeah. for. That. I mean, there's enough. Uh, I don't know all the like weird clickishness and. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's necessarily there, but it's kind of going to be somewhat inevitable in a couple of places, I think, yeah. realistically. So no. anyone want to predict what's going to be the big winner? Anything? Do you think it's going to be inside out? or It's hard the to say. Just kidding. <laughs> the profit. Uh. <laughs> It might win Best Independent, but uh, it's not nominated in many others, apart from Director. Right, right. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I guess Inside Out. Mm-hmm. I would say Inside Out, because yeah. all of the other awards, apart from my writing, are kind of technically praising the films. Mm-hmm. And overall, I think Inside Out is really strong. And I can't, for some reason, I just can't see Anomalisa taking it. Because, I don't know, like, it, it's weird, like, to, to, to use this as a, because I really don't want to use this as a detractive factor, because from what I've seen of Anomalisa, it looks amazing, and I do want to see the whole, you know, the whole thing when it's made available to me, but do you think it's because of its um, unique look, or? Oh, no, I think, actually, I'm saying it's the fact that it's for Hollywood is, like, uh, just industry-involved, and... Inside Out's like a bigger deal for that industry, maybe, than Anomalisa is. Mm. I'm not, I, I really, I really can't say, and it's. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I feel like you're, you're, I feel like you're, you're probably onto something, Dan. It still doesn't strike me as very fair, though, because, I mean, from what I've seen, like I said, what I've seen, Anomalisa looks amazing. It's it's not gonna be fair. Is kind of what I was saying. It's, it's, they're not necessarily, you know, the best movies that are, that are, that win by any, by any means. You know, look at Big Hero 6 winning last year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's just how you gotta roll with them. You just, I, I, I just got to a point where I was like, okay, they're a bit of fun and it's fun to like, you know, guess what's going to win, but at the end of the day they don't matter. Apart mm. from celebrating work. Really. And also, Isaro Takahata is getting a Winsor McKay Award for his career contribution. Oh, wow. So, that's amazing. That's great. Um, good to see him getting nominate, getting uh, recognised. Um, I think he is I think in the wake of um, Princess Kaguya, I think he's got more attention, like, especially with Miyazaki retired, and I know Takahata's probably retired as well, um, but I think the people are like, oh, there's this other guy at Ghibli as well, we haven't really been paying much attention to. Um, there's this other great. person at, at Ghibli directing movies, and he does a really, really good job. Turns out Ghibli isn't just one guy. Who knew? <laughs> um, but hey, that's actually a good segue to another bit of news. 
<laughs> and that is that Takahata's one of his films only yesterday uh, we already knew that G-Kids were going to finally release it in the US in 2016 well now we know when awesome I, I, I remember I saw that put up on the site and I was I was so excited because I've already heard your uh, your guys thoughts on uh, I think Dan you were uh, very vocal about uh, this movie and I haven't actually had the chance to see it so I'm really hoping that once it's released, I can get myself a copy and uh, give it a watch. Oh, it's great. It's really special. Yeah. Um, and it's also coming with a dub. They've mm-hmm. produced a dub for it. Oh, who's doing the dub? Daisy Ridley from Star Wars Episode Seven, hmm. And Dev Patel. Ah. From Slumdog Millionaire. Or more importantly, um, Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 live, the live action abomination that I would prefer to pretend didn't exist. But no, mm-hmm. the act. I like the actor though. I don't. I, the actor himself wasn't that bad. The, the movie itself was. Yeah. <laughs> the casting um, with Daisy Ridley. BG, I don't know when to speak of that anymore. The Daisy Ridley casting thing is quite strange because she's English and. So Dev Patel. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So so. He's from Gravesend. He's from Kent. Yeah, so so are they just gonna like do the? Um, we've talked about this before. Are they just gonna do the Ewan McGregor thing that he did for robots, where it's like That's so pointless? It's, Why it's do you name? hire Ewan McGregor and get him to do an American accent? <laughs> what? Yeah. Or for that sake, an English accent? Go, yeah, sure. You look just like Alec McGuinness, <laughs> George Lucas. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> only I'm yesterday. Tired. Um, is going to open initially at New York's IFC Centre on January 1st, 2016. So, basically, as soon as 2016 starts, you can go watch it if you're in New York. Hey, Vod. <laughs> 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 hit, hit, nudge, nudge. Um, yeah, that's actually, it's also really amazing that they're going back and releasing a movie which Disney decidedly didn't touch with the 10-foot pole because mm-hmm. it deals with, like, some like mature themes and things like that. Um, it's amazing that like such an old movie is getting such a kind of substantial re-release as well. Yeah, from 1991, and it's getting <laughs> it's getting released in uh, cinemas. And it looks like an old movie as well. I mean, like it, it it's 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 one of those films where you can like you can see the shadow of the of mm-hmm. the um of the characters cell like on the backgrounds and. You know, like the, you can see the where they've scanned it, and it's kind of flickering a bit, and it's a bit imperfect. Oh, and if you don't live in New York, New York you can see it elsewhere in America from February twenty sixth. Um, and if it's like a normal G Kid film, then it will basically over the next few weeks and months after that, it will go around like independent venues, like in all sort of major cities and. In America and probably like Toronto in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll have to keep an eye on my local theaters because, as far as G Kids movies are concerned, I don't think we, at least in my area, I don't think we get that all that many of them. But I'll keep my fingers crossed. But they normally release a nice list that I normally um, post on the website. So when that's out, look out for animationforadults.com and keep an eye on our Twitter feed, and we will give you more information. All right then. Okay. 
<laughs> Moving on, there is another bit of news about something old coming back, and that is Samurai Jack's coming back next year. Yes! <laughs> it's like my old childhood loves coming back. <laughs> so excited. Um, yes, in 2016, Samurai Jack is going to have new episodes on at Toonami on Adult Swim. And originally it was on uh, Cartoon Network, but now it is sort of following. It's following the successful relaunch of Toonami, which has mainly been anime stuff like Dragon Ball and Attack on Titan and all sorts mm. of actiony anime. They are doing their first like original commission, and that is bringing back Gendy Tartofskis. Hey, is that right? Yeah, that yeah, I good. think you're pronouncing it right. Way. It's only taken uh. me like 21 episodes. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, yeah, that's going to be from next year. Brand new episodes. So that's I. I'm still kind of like I'm. I'm. I'm happy. I'm really excited. I'm even more over the moon that the fact that since Tsunami's been, this is only happening because Tsunami's. You know, the, the relaunch of Tsunami's been so freaking successful. It's it's kind of mental the fact that it's happened because yeah. It used to be like, uh, what was it like, four o'clock in the afternoon, I think, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, and then, Maybe. and now it's like late night on Adult Swim, and they're going, hey, you remember this when you were a kid or in oh. college or whatever? Hey, it's back, and now there's new stuff. It's, it's well, weird yeah. to say that, actually, because in the UK, it was only ever on at like 11 o'clock at night. I think, like, for some reason they Samurai looked at Jack. it. Yeah. For some reason, they looked at it and they kind of went, "Oh, this is a samurai," and they kind of, you know, the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like associating anything vaguely Japanese sounding with violence, kicked in. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember like having to stay up to catch it. So I kind of remember it as being like a adult thing, kind of just because of when it was on. Mm-hmm. And I guess now I think of it, it wasn't really that adult, really. It just felt kind of cool. Well, that's I think one of the reasons is that it didn't really, at least as far as the episodes that I watched back when it was airing, it didn't really talk down to its audience. It really kind of like you know, even if it was aired on a you know during a mm-hmm. during a time slot where mostly kids could watch it, it, mm-hmm. it still you know it was a show that basically tried to treat you know the kids who were watching it more like you know. It treated kids like adults in a in a certain way. Like, oh, I mean, definitely. Yeah, and there was a certain tone that it had, where it was, it just kind of was allowed to breathe a bit, and it wasn't constantly, you know, like uh, it didn't it didn't it didn't feel like everything else that was on. Really. Yeah, it, it wasn't trying to fit like all the regular like cartoon cliches that were you know that were going around at the time. And it I, was, I think. Sorry. It's okay. No, it, go ahead. I think also, I think that's significant because it was probably the first taste that lots of people had of cartoons being different in that mm-hmm. sense. I think when I think about like what I was watching on Cartoon Network and everything else at that time, and my friends and we were talking about it, we would like be, you know, watching. Um, Spongebob, which had a certain rhythm and things that all had like a, a similar kind of rhythm to them. Mm-hmm. And then Samurai Jack comes on and you're like, well, it's kind of, 
it's not funny and that's not really bad that's not the most appealing part of it it's like a it's like a journey to the west kind of you know story it is it really it really is and i'm i was always tuning in after i kind of i watched the the very first uh episode like way way back when and then I kept watching or trying to tune in as often as I could because I wanted to see what's happening next, you know. Because, you know, Jack gets transported through time and now he's stuck in the future. He just has to get back in time. And so I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see him get back in time. Only for more episodes to go on and on and on. And I was enjoying every one. But I'm just like, wow, this is this is real arduous journey that we're being taken through. And I really want to see to it see it to its conclusion. So when it got canceled, I was just completely and utterly heartbroken. Like, we're never going to see the conclusion of this story I I think perhaps like the most like, encouraging bit of the news is that Gendy's coming back this isn't a this isn't one of these cases of you get series coming back without the original creator or mm-hmm. whatever or you know like they're rebooting like they're rebooting Powerpuff Girls without any of the original voice cast that's weird that's weird uh, and this is seems to be, you know, an actual continuation of the series as it would have continued if if it hadn't been cancelled, pretty much. Which is what everyone, like, everyone who's a fan of the show has been clamouring for. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a pretty, it's a big you know, victory. For both creator and and, and fan base. And it's also interesting because we sort of thought we'd lost Gendy to movies. Yeah. <laughs> he went off and did, um, uh, Hotel Transylvania, and then Hotel Transylvania Two, which made an awful lot of money. Mm-hmm. So... I thought, yeah, I thought we'd lost him to just like never getting anything off the ground, really. <laughs> so I'm glad that he's like, you know, you can, t- you could just, you could tell. I haven't seen Hotel Transylvania Two, um, but you could tell like the last thing I, the last thing I saw that he did was the Popeye um, test footage. Oh, and that was could, so good. I'm so sad. You I'm could just like happy. really <laughs> tell, like you know. Um, like a greyhound in the traps like he's just like really he's got all this energy and this real like uh enthusiasm to make something and the fact that they've welcomed him back to samurai jack is really exciting because it's his baby and he's also not showing any signs of slowing down in terms of like um innovating like creatively Mm -hmm. so it I don't expect it to also be exactly the same as it was either. Yeah, uh, that that would be that 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 would be I would say un, a bit unrealistic because it's 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 been years. It can't be it can't be the exact same as it was. But yeah, it was all as like, long as it tries to you know to recapture that same mood at least just a yeah. little in, a, in its own unique way. Then I'm satisfied. <laughs> I, I I'd be really interested if they bring back like the artistic directors as well. Because he always tends to work with um, Scott Wills and Kevin Dart sometimes, um, like some really really talented um, production designers and background illustrators. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that perspective, I'm really really excited because it means those guys are going to be doing animation backgrounds again. Yes, and they're the best. Like they also did them for um, Symbionic Titan. There's another show I really hope we get a re- uh, revival at some point, but that you know I'm I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not I gonna. Think that's really unlikely. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm just gonna accept the the little miracle that we have in our laps right now. I'm just gonna yeah. just accept that. Yeah, it's one of those things which you always like. 
you know, you see people making petitions about and everything, but you never really expected that to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, these times we live in, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming back to Netflix and this and all that, <laughs> being resurrected. It's Crazy. good. It's it's good. I'm 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 liking it, and I hope it can it keeps going as long as they put you know as they got good people behind it. And I have I have no concerns. Here's a bit of video games related news. Did any of you play the game Nino Kuni on PlayStation 3? I did, and I adored it from top to bottom. That was a game from Level 5 that was also involved. Studio Ghibli were involved. They did um, cutscenes for it, they did beautifully animated sequences, and it was a RPG, and it also even had. Uh, it had a very Ghibli style, and it even had um, Joe Hisashi doing the music for it, so it was kind of like living in a Miyazaki film. It was basically playing a Miyazaki film, which was yeah. basically the biggest pull for me when I first got it, and I, I pre-ordered it and got all the you know the hard case and everything, and it was it was it was so much fun. I I managed to get it as a download for like six quid. It was amazing. Oh man! And then I went. I yeah I. I don't really like RPGs that aren't Zelda, particularly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there is nothing wrong with that. It was. It, it took. I, it took a bit of. Uh, it, it took a bit of learning. I will. I will admit the battle system was very different than anything I'd ever played before. But once once I practiced it enough, I finally got the hang of it. But it's so beautiful and lo- and it, the atmosphere. And it's it's like a Ghibli film and it's amazing. But then it's like I don't like turn based combat. <laughs> Well, the reason I mentioned it is because it's getting a sequel for PlayStation Four. That I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out because, from what I recall, at least from when I played, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything exactly, but you know, in case anyone out there hasn't had the opportunity to play it, because if you love, if you love Ghib- anything Ghibli, then you should definitely at least experience something of some part of this game, but. From what I recall, like at least it's from the ending of the the game, like the the legit ending, it looked like it kind of wrapped the story up in a neat, tidy little you know with a bow around it and everything. Like it, I didn't think that there were any loose ends that could lead to a sequel. The trailer kind of looks like it's set in a different place. Huh. Um, it's called Nino Kuni Two Revenant Kingdom, and it is coming out PlayStation Four. It's going to be released internationally by Namco Bandai, and it has. So far, been announced that um, it's going to feature the artist Yoshiyuki Momosi, who um, worked on Only Yesterday and Pompoko, and, and Joe Hishashi is coming back to the music. I think Momosi um, also supervised the animation in the first game as well. Yes, yeah. he's, it's, it's like people are coming back from it. But from the looks of it, I don't think they're doing uh, 2D anime um, cutscenes anymore. It looks like it's all being done in, in engine, and it still looks Ghibli-esque, but it looks to me, from the trailer at least, that it's not going to have the cutscenes, which, you know, as we know, Ghibli are kind of <laughs> <laughs> dormant, so yeah, not that surprising. 
Well, with, at the very least, PS4, you still care in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And also with PS4 rendering, it's not going to be that bad. Mm -hmm. They actually did a, a DS version of the original, but it never came out outside Japan, which is a shame. Um, but yes, and this is... Uh, don't think it's got a release date yet. Um, but it was... Um, was announced at the PlayStation Experience, which happened over the weekend. So, did Last Guardian get a release date? I I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. Oh <laughs> man, that, that's another game I've been like chomping yeah. at the bit to get any information about. Like that, the people have been waiting to hear about that game for years. Like mm -hmm. almost over. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a decade. Oh, I guess I could almost say almost a decade now. But it's just ugh. Trying to get any information yeah. about the last Guardian is like pulling teeth from the, develop the development team. But it's actually happening now, which is progress, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's it's definitely a start. Yes. So if you've got a PlayStation Four, there you can get Revenant Kingdom, Nino Kuni Two eventually when it comes out. Um, so look out for that. Will do. Nice. I played some uh, uh, I played some Fallout 4 recently, and I have to say it's uh, I, I got nothing bad to say. It's exactly as great as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> it's just terrific. I mean, I'm not very I haven't had a ton of time to play, but um, I'm creeping along. I'm, I'm only up to like level 21, <laughs> but it's a great. Have you guys played a lot of those games? Are you guys big Fallout fans? I played I have played Fall none. I yeah, I somehow never played a game either. <laughs> so, so that's no all round, or is that two no's, one yes, one kind of? <laughs> all right, let's let, let's try that again. Chris, you go, then Dan goes, then I'll go. Sorry, I I have never played a Fallout game in my life. <laughs> Ditto. I have played Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas, both mm. of which I enjoyed very much. I've um, because I played, I've only um, I think of played uh, Oblivion also as far as like the other like Elder Scrolls games so if I had to pick between the two big franchises that are developed by Bethesda yeah, well, I would have to pick the Fallout games as my personal favorite yeah yeah really I just great. love the the weird the weird atmosphere that they've created with the Fallout world I mean it's it's you definitely like if you like post post apocalyptic stuff it's definitely a whole ton of that but I also like the like unique spin on the world like the very kind of like 50s-esque you know, setting mm -hmm. that it, the world what like what it was before, and then the bombs blew up. But it still, kind of has that that same feel. Like, yeah, um, it's the sort of creepy contrast of uh, upbeat, um, feel good, like music and and uh, and death and destruction and mayhem and blood and gore. It's, it's really awesome. Mutants, yeah. super mutants, all that wonderful yeah. stuff. But I have to say that you mentioned music, and I think I that's one of the things I always hear about people who play Fallout, uh, they always talk about, at least after Fallout 3, is the one of the best things to do is uh, just sit down, play the game, like, just wander around the wasteland, listening to some really, like, crazy old, like, 50s-style, like, music, and just, you know, exploring, getting into gunfights and stuff like that, and just, like, kind of humming to the music as you're, like, shooting rapid fire at these guys who are trying to take your money. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all, it's great. And, and now there's a whole um, crafting like they've really um, 
they've sunk a lot of time into the crafting system. So you build uh, settlements, which makes it even cooler because before you could, um, you know, you had your your home base or whatever. You could have multiple home bases, but um, this way it just adds another level of um, addiction. No, it adds another level of uh, of intera- interaction. You know, you really kind of feel like you're part of the world. You know, because you're creating these little settlements. Yeah, that's the that's the last thing <laughs> to make more addicting. That's actually the last <laughs> thing that Bethesda that's Bethesda needed to do to their games because they've already seemed to you know succeeded that with flying colors with games like Skyrim and now with uh, Fallout mm-hmm. 4 is taking that to the next step. But um, yeah, I heard about that with the whole you know because it actually gives like one of the big things that they've had in previous Fallout games is that you know you can go around and pick up just random crap, but mm-hmm. now with this construct you know creation system they actually you know whatever you find you can break down into materials and it actually gives you know all that kind of like um you know that that klepto kind of uh oh yeah mentality that you get when you're walking around you pick up just random stuff and now it actually gives it purpose instead oh, yeah, of taking up space in your inventory yeah and if you bring the robot along with you as your companion you know because you can have you have a choice of different people as, as time goes on you you know like a lot of games you you sort of as you level up you have different companions you can choose from and you have dog meat you know there's the puppy that follows you around um no, but the then, puppy. then um then the robot mocks you you know as you pick stuff up like hoarding again sir <laughs> oh i know that robot that's the robot Actually, that um they programmed to say your name right yes and he he talks with that sort of canned uh accent but it's 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 really funny. <laughs> I, I actually it. haven't had a chance to play Fallout 4 yet, but I'm hoping at one point I will get the opportunity because it does look like a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Oh God, it's great. I mean, I yeah, I, I barely even scratched the surface. Like I, as soon as I, uh, I've been sort of playing it as a small reward, but I have to be careful because you know, one night I you know started at like 11:30. I was like, that's it, no more working, <laughs> and <laughs> then I. Hopped on the game and I was, you know, up till 2.30, 3 o'clock and 40. <laughs> that sounds like a Bethesda game, all right. Any other big uh, news stories going around? Well, have you heard the latest um, theory about Pixar films? <laughs> Not really? Uh, you know you know that uh, Pixar films are apparently all in the same universe, yes. according to some crazy theory. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. According to the latest theory, they are also in the same universe as the Die Hard films. Fantastic. So, how does that work? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean, they don't really that. step on each other's toes that much. Ah. I mean, Made in Manhattan also happens in the same world, and that's not too much of a stretch, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Basically, it's a bit, it's it's a video from Mashable, and it's basically, uh-huh. it's parody, basically, of fan theories. Oh my so, god. Um where they're basically going, ah, oh, but look, okay. there's, on this thing it says 1995, and that's when <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance came out. <laughs> ah. Oh my god. Awesome. And Cars is about cars, and there's driving in in um, in Die Hard movies. So, ah, it's the same universe. Ooh. Right. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not entirely serious. But. I noticed that no, oh, one's, no, no one's done uh, little Tim, Tim Allen from Home, Home Improvements was like, you know, killed and his soul was manufactured into a into a toy or anything like that. I just thought he became <laughs> Santa Claus. Ah, uh, he's, 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 he's a busy he's a busy man. I guess. 
<laughs> he became Santa Claus, then he fell off the roof, and um, uh, he got turned into a toy. <laughs> this is the latest theory. And then he was a dog. Then he was a what? He, he was, was a dog. dog. He was a shaggy dog. No, no, no. Oh, oh, he wasn't. A, oh, I said dog, but yeah, he was also a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is getting out of control. I don't know what that word means. I've never heard that before. Um, he he dobbed his mates in about something. Oh right, oh, okay, I got yeah. you. He was a snitch. Last night. He was. He was. Yeah, a look, look it up. Look a it dog. up. Oh, dog. Dog. Job, yeah. huh? And, well, that's a brand new one for me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Britishism of the week. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Now, educational this podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay, I think pretty much that's the news. Woo-hoo! Unfortunately, Avon has to take a leave because she's basically the busiest person on earth and <laughs> hasn't had time to watch the films. Um, but this week you've got your latest um, Animation Nights New York event, have you not? That's right, that's right. Uh, it's happening um, this w- coming Wednesday, December 9th at 8 o'clock, uh, Fulton's, Fulton Stall Market, um, 207 Front, 207A Front Street. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, if, if you're in the New York City area, um, please do come by. Admission's free, and we've got a really nice lineup of... Uh, of uh, it's another New York independent screening of local New York City animators, so that's it's going to be a fun night. It's really going to be a fun night, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's a it's a terrific lineup, and we have got a really good one coming up next time too. Um, for January, but yeah, so this Wednesday though is the next one. Mm-hmm. Very cool. <laughs> Well, it's been awesome having you on the show this week, as always. Yeah, this is nice. I've missed you guys. <laughs> yeah, missed we you missed too. you too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully next time I'll, I'll do I'll be able to say a little bit more as things sort of um, hopefully will slow down a little bit. Well, or maybe they won't. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, and oh, and you can find me on uh, Twitter um, at Eisner underscore Inc. And if you'd like to submit a film to Animation Nights New York, please uh, go to animationnights.nyc. And um, yep, so I guess I will. Uh, I'll see you guys soon, or listen. I'll <laughs> see you guys soon. I'll uh... <laughs> speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. <laughs> yeah, that counts. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> All right. All right. Take care, Yvonne. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, yeah. Get some sleep and yeah. Have, tonight, and have, tonight. And have <laughs> sacred, have sacred coffee breaks where you just do nothing but stare out the window and Ooh. play Fallout Four. Play Fallout. Oh, <laughs> Fallout Four. Honestly, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but not tonight. Not tonight. Tonight's sleep. Anyway. Yeah. Alright, see you guys later. Or I mean, talk to you later. Okay. <laughs> bye. Okay. Bye. 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 Okay, right. So, uh, now we're going on to our, our main section where we're going to talk about good dinosaur and peanuts, or actually, to be more accurate, Dad and Rachel are going to talk about good dinosaur and peanuts because I haven't seen either of them. I know, I'm oh, terrible. As it's, don't, as it's called in the UK, Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Uh, uh, semicolon, a peanuts movie. 
I think that's the title. Yeah, it's got to have a colon in. Like it's ridiculous. Batman versus Superman colon Dawn of Justice or um, Captain America colon Civil War. That you've got to oh have my. a colon in in your title. Yes. So I I'm I'm gonna sort of take a little step back here and I'm gonna let these guys talk about the films. So take it away. All right. You just have to feed them. But I'm scared, Papa. Sometimes you gotta face your fear to get to the other side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He'll get there. I can do it. Where do we even begin? I guess start at the um, beginning. Well, I guess uh, yeah. Good. Do you want to talk about Good Dinosaur? Because basically, um, I did a quick review of Good Dinosaur last week, um, where I just sort of laid out my. It was. It was. I think I had seen it that day or like the day before, so I had just seen it, and it was like my immediate thoughts about it. Yeah. Um, it basically came down to that I was kind of disappointed, um, but I didn't not enjoy it. I enjoyed, um, you know, the fact that it that it that it opened and it was obviously like a bit of a smaller movie, and it had less of a, it had like a gentler kind of atmosphere compared to Inside Out, which was really talky and really, you know, quite um, energetic. Yeah, and it, I was it, like, there's oh, okay. definitely a different tone. Yeah, and I'm and I'm fine with that. And I think it's like it's really good that in the the second movie that Pixar released in 2015, it, it's different to the previous one. Um, but I still felt that it kind of fell short of even what itself was setting up um, to be. And there was nothing in it that really, from a story perspective. Um, generally, which really surprised me, um, like Inside Out, uh, and then, but the, but also, I also really strongly um, wanted to get across the fact that I thought it was beautiful, and it's technically some of the best work that Pixar has ever done um, when it comes to like depicting nature, um, and you know, so yeah, that's basically my general like thoughts about about the movie mm-hmm. um what did what do you think well i got the opportunity to go see it on uh just just this friday and mm-hmm. um and i did my best i i may i've only i've already seen some reviews of the film already but i tried to 
go in with absolutely, you know, no expectations whatsoever, regardless of it being a mm-hmm. Pixar film. Mm-hmm. No, because I obviously it wasn't like like it was for you. No, it wasn't living up to the regular Pixar, you know, standards. And I I wanted to see for myself, you know, exactly what that uh, what that mean, you know, like uh, how I felt about that. And so I went and watched the movie, and I was actually I actually walked away feeling very entertained. I mean, like like everyone's saying it is. It's it's definitely. I mean. In putting it next to Inside Out, you know, Inside Out still going to be my favorite, you know, of the two films. Mm-hmm. But I can't, like, I can't ignore like the effort that did that looks like went into this film. Like you said, with the the depiction of nature and the backgrounds and just being able to animate that environment was absolutely breathtaking. And and even though the even though the story is like a bit more simplistic. It's still, I thought it was very endearing. The, um, I, I love the main character. He was very cute. And, um, I even liked the little, uh, the little human character too. I mean, I, I was originally yeah. thought I was going to be like weirded out like heck because of the role reversal a little bit, but I actually found myself getting into it. Yeah. I, I mean, this is kind of what I was saying when I was like saying I wasn't not entertained by it. I wasn't not enjoying myself. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's generally quite funny. And the fact that it is doing a smaller story is, is okay. But I felt like there wasn't enough, um, for me, there wasn't quite enough meat with mm-hmm. the characters, um, for it to be that kind of smaller movie. Because if you're doing a, a movie which has a very simple story, which this does, I think, um, you kind of have to say, okay, well, we're not telling the most original story, but that doesn't matter. It can always be about, and it often is about, like, how the story is told. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, on paper, um, like, Totoro, for example, that's a really simple story that you can tell in, like, two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, the meat of the characters in the story which makes the film memorable. It's like the way the story is told, essentially. Yeah. Which 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 makes it interesting. And what what was like kind of frustrating for me in the Good Dinosaur was I got glimpses of like something really unique. Yeah. Um, like there are moments where, um, Arlo is kind of faces nature head on. And yeah. It was directed in a really interesting way, but there weren't enough of those moments that added up to telling me more about his character. Basically, mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, they they say that, um, or it has been said that in in um, that characters are basically tips of icebergs, and you, you, you know, like icebergs, you only see the tips. Uh, above water really and then mm-hmm. underneath there's this like foundation of like a uh uh and like an inner psychology and and their behavior which is just the the tip um to what's underneath the surface and i felt like the interaction between arlo and spot was really cute and honest and everything but after a certain point there wasn't much more that was being told about their characters. Yeah, you're uh, right. At, at, a, at a certain point, it just kind of seemed to stop. It was just it, it at yeah. that point onward. It was just those two, just their whatever interactions 
they had with each other as their journey continued. And I, yeah. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, and and I'm still like also as I said last week, I'm trying to think of it on its own terms and not say, oh, it's just because it isn't inside out. It's not any uh, good or anything like that. It's kind of purposefully setting it. You know, it purposefully sets itself up as being like a a smaller movie, really, in terms of like its scope. Um, but I felt even for a smaller movie, it was a little bit um, lacking in a few places. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, what did you what did you think of the of the story? Um, like I said, it's like I didn't. Like, I went in with low expectations, so I was kind of you know, I, I imagined it was going to be some kind of like journey story, and that's exactly what it ended up being. Of the you know. Both like yeah. a, a physical and kind of a bit of a mental uh, journey for its main protagonist and its main protagonist mm-hmm. only. Mm-hmm. But um, and and not gonna lie, I I mean it's certainly no land before time. But I definitely remember getting some kind of small vibes of like that I similar like nostalgic vibes that I got from watching Land Before Time with this movie. And I don't know if there's any logic behind that. If I if there is, I can't really articulate it right now. It's just kind of like a gut feeling I got when I was watching this movie, but yeah, I think I I know what you mean. I guess it's because really, Arlo and Littlefoot are quite similar in the way they kind of they both deal with the you know like various you know having to they they do stand up against gigantic consequences yeah. or like of the world around them. But also just like in the way they move, like kind of quite unsure with their footing and a little bit um, uncomfortable in their own skin, mm-hmm. I think. Um, for me, the movies that it really made me think of most, and this is like one of the best things I can say about the film, is that I was really reminded of Bambi and um, Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I get, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. And that's why I was kind of into it, like, in the first, like, 15 minutes or so, because I was like, all right, this is a smaller movie which has um, more, like, wholesome, traditional kind of sensibilities about it. Like, there aren't... Um, all of the jokes are very much in-world. They're not... Um, the the humour is quite nice and gentle, and mm-hmm. I was reminded of like those films from the forties from Disney, like Bambi and um, and Dumbo. Also, like in how, especially Bambi, it's like a a small creature who finds himself walking through nature and 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 discovering, you know, different parts of nature. How it can be interesting and surprising and really frightening and completely dangerous and mm-hmm. all sorts of things, and in turn, kind of learning about himself mm-hmm. yeah that that's that's basically you know almost exactly how the uh the good dinosaur ended up being that's but i am if you if you enjoy, enjoy that kind of stuff i like i do then yeah mm. I, I, had a, I had a wonderful time on top of the fact that it was a complete feast for the eyes and just in terms like you said over the overall backgrounds because I, yeah. I went I, wa- I watched it in 3d and it All was right. it was oh. one of those movies that Basically, you know, it's very tricky to see, like, what kind of movies, you know, benefit from 3D, you know, screenings. And 
I loved it in 3D. It mm-hmm. was, it made everything just pop so much more than it probably would have been just just a regular 2D screening. And I was so happy with the way that turned out. Oh yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, I saw it in 2D. Um, mm-hmm. I see everything as a rule because I can't. Apart from like, if I can't, if I can't avoid a. Uh, 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 seeing like an IMAX movie in 3D, mm-hmm. um, I tend to avoid 3D because I just get really bummed still about the light levels. Yeah, like the film is significantly darker. Anyway, but if you, I was watching it in, in 2D and it was just as amazing. And um, the landscape is really—you can tell—that's really where they they really put the money and time and effort. Yeah. Definitely, and it's like if I would say it's all it's it's almost like worth paying the full price of the movie ticket just so you can go and see that that kind of animation. I mean, even if the story doesn't really do anything for you, that's that's worth seeing. It's worth praising Pixar, you know, for putting that level of uh, quality work into making that landscape look as real as possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not sure if I said this last week, but it's. Easily the best water I've seen in CG ever. <laughs> I, 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 remember, I agree with you. I remember like watching Tangled and even Frozen. There are some parts where like, okay, well, they still haven't quite got water yet. Water because doesn't it, work that way. But there was something they did with the water in this, which um, they kind of understood that they would not meant to be like mimicking water, but doing an impression of it like you know impressionist painting mm-hmm. is not about making anything realistic it's about like the essence of something mm-hmm. and that was how i felt like looking at the water even though the lighting was really quite realistic the way it moved and the sorts of shapes in the water i noticed were um like not actually as realistic as you'd ex- as you as you think they are Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that's kind of interesting about like the landscapes is that they're not really photorealistic. They're still yeah. kind of stylized in lots of ways. Yeah, um, it tricks it tricks you into thinking that it's it's photorealistic, but if you look really carefully, it's just like no, no, someone it it it, it, it it's got its own character to it. It seems. Yeah, yeah, and I was really because. Um, like being a big fan of like Pixar and their um and their artists, um I knew that the um they groups of them and like particularly the lighting um staff like a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And there was there was like this sort of lighting that I noticed in the movie that I had seen in paintings, um like done by Pixar artists as they like go out and you know draw around I'm I'm not too sure of the geography but they they draw around like the area um uh and yeah I could tell that it was kind of a celebration for them of all of these places that they clearly love and landscapes that speak to them yeah definitely um, but I mean, like, if you kind of look at what we're talking about now, I think we're talking about the wrong thing. As as much as like it is amazing, I would say it's kind of a problem of the movie that we're not like. 
uh, that we're focusing more on the background animation than the actual story well, and characters. Well, yeah, and kind of that we're not like there's not too much to say about the characters because they're I, I gotta say it they're a bit underdeveloped, which is which is which is weird because. When you think of like Bambi, he's not that developed really either. Yeah, not 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 as much as a lot of like later Disney characters would be. Yeah, yeah, and um, or Dumbo for that matter. Like, so you're comparing both those movies. Like, yeah, we don't learn too much about mm-hmm. Bambi. We don't learn too much more about Dumbo other than the fact that you know he's young and he misses his mother. But you know, and and it's. I don't know. It's just like for some reason, like I, I want to say that for some reason that those movies, you know, even though they don't dip that much into characterization, you know, for their being mm-hmm. their main characters, like for some reason I want to give it a free pass. I mean, I normally, you know, any if there were any other films that kind of skimp on the characterization, I would come down on it. But I'm 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 being a bit. I feel like I'm being a bit, bit hypocritical. It's just like I don't know. It's just there's something. No. Just doesn't rub me the right way saying that, you know, oh, this film is really bad because it didn't really, you know, tell us too much more about the characters than other what was presented oh, on screen. Oh, yeah, no, this is, no, I'm, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm really trying to take the film on its own terms mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, these characters, they might, they might not be as developed as, say, I don't know, anything else, but. I'm kind of working out, like, in my head, like, okay, is that a fault of the film, or is that something that they did purposefully hoping um, that them being slightly underdeveloped would allow us to, I don't know, project ourselves a little bit more? That's the kind of feeling I got, because that's, I mean, that I think with both Bambi, like, those exact characters we talked about earlier, Bambi and uh, and Dumbo, that's how we sympathized with them. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, and, like, I, and, and I know it's a lot of different. Mm. Go ahead. Well, also, like when you think about just like literally representation, um, Arlo. So, like the dinosaurs in the movie don't really look like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. They don't look like no. we've seen them before. They look seriously. The the thing that they reminded me of the most was Rex from Toy Story, because yeah. like when the team, <laughs> Especially when the T Rex is roared. Yeah. They were like clean. They were they they had like brush teeth, no blood or anything on them, and it was like you could see the coloring was just like teeth, gum, tongue, and that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Well, hey, who knows? This is this is a world where dinosaurs have had had millions of years to evolve after that meteorite passed over them. So who knows? They might have found some way for T Rexes to brush their teeth. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't know. They've only just figured out how to make a silo. So I, I'll give them a few years until they get Listerine. <laughs> so, so. If, if you're what, talking about stuff that was under, you know, basically underdeveloped other than the characters, that was something I would have loved to see more of. Like, we have this idea where dinosaurs, you know, basically they're still on the planet, you know, planet Earth because the meteorite that was supposed to, you know, make them extinct missed, yeah? Yeah. And we only get an idea of like how this how their presence and their evolution in the world has affected it. I mean, we see, you know, yeah. some dinosaurs take up farming and, you know, a whole bunch of like growing their own food and and, and stuff like that. And so, 
I really wanted, in all honesty, I wanted to see more of that. Yeah, it was, well, I don't want to, I really don't want to talk too much about, like, the production, because as I said last week again, the only thing that really matters is the end product in the film. That's but true. the fact that we do know that the the first inkling of the idea was what if the meteorite missed? Um, and we, like, when the film was first announced, the idea of humans was, like, played up. The idea that mm-hmm. humans and dinosaurs would interact. And it kind of makes me think, like, is there anything really about Spot which means he had to have been a human? Because he could have just as easily have been some other creature that they might not have seen before. Yeah. Arlo was not familiar with, which he kind of learned to like trust and, and love and everything. Um, uh, yeah, I found that really weird because really apart from spots, and this isn't too much of a spoiler to say, I don't think there's nothing about the world, which has really evolved that significantly given the premise that's you know true. they make a big deal out of the premise as well the movie opens with the meteorite missing mm-hmm. the, the earth so i felt like that was something to do with they had that movie in development and then they had story problems and then the release date you know was looming and they're like yeah. oh crap we don't have a movie we've got to push this back a year which is what they did um, which is why it came out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of make something which kind of just works. Well, but it, I, it I, definitely, it definitely works. I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, if, if there was a whole, you know, like I said previous, if there was been more, if there was originally more of an idea to play with the idea of what if dinosaurs never went extinct and how the world would have evolved out, you know, as a result of it, I would have been very more engaged. I would have probably been more engaged in that film. But at the same right. time, I'm happy with what we got. It was, no, I mean, it's I am, nice. I am too. I also, I, I also think it's kind of interesting in that. So the, there's like a middle section, which is about 25 minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Where there's almost no dialogue. Apart from Arlo kind of saying, whoops, and let's get that very, it's like, it's kind of like a silent movie. And it does that thing that animation does brilliantly that animators know how to do, which is visual, purely visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, what Hitchcock calls pure cinema. And I think that needs to be commended because it doesn't actually, it does it without really drawing much attention to that. what, to, to, to the fact that that is what it is doing. Yeah. Like, lots of animated movies do that. I know, I like, know what you're uh, talking about there. You, yeah, so, like, you know, the opening of Wally is, like, it does it, but it kind of draws attention to itself. Well, yeah, because it's such seems, a long period of the movie that's just no real talking. It's just all atmosphere. Yeah, and I, I kind of liked how casually Good Dinosaur did that. Um And it wasn't, like, a big deal. And, audience, and the audience I was with, kind of seem to accept it too yeah same here so I mean like I was the the other thing is as well like 
and I, I, I've I've heard other people I've heard other people say that had this not been Pixar, it would have been like considered to be a really good movie. But the fact that Pixar makes such good movies that everyone loves, I, I mean, and I can't I I I recognize this is certainly what I I'm doing, but I can't help it. You just no, judge them that bit hard. You know, you judge them that a little bit more harshly than you probably should because they set the bar so high for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely an issue. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked. I don't feel the same way, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's just because I went into the movie with already with low expectations and just ended up pleasantly surprised with what, what, what I saw. Yeah. It's yeah, pro- I, that's probably the reason. I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's bad at all because you know I went in with like no expectations really. Mm-hmm. I, I had an idea of like that it was going to be a smaller story and this that and the other, but um, yeah, I mean even going in with no expectations really, I was I felt like I don't know there was just one or two things. So ba- basically. I can't help but compare it to other things. Yeah. And one film that I realized for me, um, I was comparing it to was Finding Nemo. Oh. Because it's about like, especially when you think of Nemo's journey, mm-hmm. Nemo gets separated from his family. Again, it's his will. He gets pushed into like a harsh, uh, natural world with predators and danger and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. And he comes back around to the, to, to, to the end, you know, and he gets reunited with his family. There was not much for me in, so I guess now we're entering, can we say we're entering spoiler territory? Yeah, um, I think we're, we're in spoiler territory Chris, now. Cause I, cause I don't want to, I don't want to discuss the ending cause I think the endings are really important if you're, um, like discussing a story basically. Yeah. Um, so the ending of, 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 um, and I, and I said this like last week, the ending of, um, the good dinosaur for me fell short because there was not much that really offered a new perspective for the character or for us about the world. And as it was, or, 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 um, or how Arlo was forced to change within the world. So Mm -hmm. if you think of, um, or, or even like a, you know, often stories are compared to jokes because you set something up, you set up an expectation, and then you, at the very end, kind of reverse it a little bit. If you think of Wreck-It Ralph, yeah, you know, he spends a whole movie like rejecting the fact that he's a, a bad guy. And then at the end of the movie, he repeats something that he says like in one of the first scenes, but he says it with a new perspective and a new importance. It's like, it's okay that I'm a... a um, a villain. Yeah, he, um, he's learned something from this experience. And he, he accepts it, and he kind of he does something that not just like physically he could not have done at the beginning, but something that he psychologically could not have done. Mm-hmm. And the same with Nemo, like he changes. Well, I, I guess the biggest change is really with Marlin. Yeah, but Nemo is kind of allowed to. Um, you know, do something that he wouldn't. And also, if you think of like Frozen, uh, you think, you know, oh, it's it's about true love, and you go, okay, well, 
well done, Disney. You've done a hundred stories about true love. Oh, it's, you a, mean, it's a different type of true love. Exactly, a different type of true love. And then suddenly the perspective changes and you get like a, the story kind of, um, you know, opens out completely and you, you, you just see something, you see the world from a new perspective. And for me, there was nothing that was surprising about the ending of the good dinosaur that I didn't see coming, uh, from the start, basically. Yeah. No, I, enough, I totally agree with you there. The weirdest, the weirdest surprise for me was that there was no surprise there. <laughs> there was not, there was nothing like, there was nothing that had been said in the film up until that point, which was not even turned on its head, but just given my new perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of go, Oh, it's almost, I don't know. I don't know what it would have been in the story. But the fact that it was just the fact that Arlo, I guess, had the courage to something, something, face, sorry, I, I face, I, face, face his fear, I think is what the, what the big thing is. Cause he, you know, he yeah. was always, he was always so timid and so scared of everything around him. So, but by the time of the films and he's, you know, not, he's afraid to stand up for himself and yeah. others and also to, not be afraid of letting something go, obviously. Right. Yeah, and I felt that there was not enough in that for me. That had no, not yeah, they spent little to no time on that. Yeah, there was not enough that like had already been. Ex- I mean, we'd already explored that with him. There was not like another dimension to his character, which was like, um, really compelling enough for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you think of, like, any other character, like, let's say Elsa, like, if you think of her dimensions, you have the fact that she... I, I, I don't know. I can't really explain it any other way. I just felt there weren't enough dimensions, really, for me to be totally involved. Mm-hmm. Um... But, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so also, do you want to talk about Sanjay's super team really super quickly? I really haven't. Uh, oh, that was the, um, that was, the, oh God, I, I, I didn't yeah. realize at first that was the title of it, but that was, uh, the, the short film, the, the Pixar short film and the very, before the good dinosaur started, right? Yeah. I was blown away by that short. I thought it was me too. amazing. Yeah, me too. I really can't wait to see what um, Sanjay Patel is going to do next because it was a really unique uh, experience, I think. And it was a great story too. Like I, I know for a fact, like a lot of that, that that's kind of like the relationship, at least the way they, they show um the uh the boy and his father like i've seen like i kind of have that uh that same kind of problem with my own parents every you know as a kid and even growing up still but mm. the, so it and, and it's really amazing how they kind of in just that couple minutes of animation they show this kids you know first his frustration with how you know his father you know you know encouraging him to like to turn off the tv and then just do what he wants to do and then he has this whole imaginative experience with you know how he connect you know what what his father's respects and what he respects and how they're not really all that different 
Well, there you go. That's exactly that kind of, <laughs> that's the perspective change in a story that I, that I think is compelling and, and what makes stories like worth telling is, mm-hmm. is exactly that perspective change. Because at the start of the movie, at the start of the short, you think that the two worlds couldn't be further apart. Yeah, and they show you, like, with the uh, the visual, you know, there's a visual cue, too, because you have the the boy on the one far side of the room with the TV, and then the mm-hmm. father's on the other side of the room with the, um, I guess it's little, it's a little... I, 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 I call I, it a I, shrine. Yeah, that's what I want to call it, too. I just don't want to be... I'm like, I, I don't really know too much about that, so I don't want to be insensitive. Yeah, I'm I'm really sorry. I can't remember my RE lesson on, on Hinduism either, so don't worry about it. <laughs> It's like, okay, anyone out there who's listening, sorry, we don't mean to offend anyone, but we just well, don't know what those things see, are. That's, that's fine, and that's actually really cool as well, because it's I good. want to know more after watching that short. Exactly. I, want, I honestly want to know more. It's really encouraging that Pixar like, had the, you know, no pun intended, the faith to... Um, to let it be actually about his religion and not like make it a, um, quite often you'll have films that will be metaphors for religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like this was very much about Hinduism and that was it. And they weren't afraid of like, you know, sections of the audience not getting it or not being familiar with it. Because as you said, like your response to it was, Oh, I've had that I've had that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your father might not look a single thing like Sanjay's father, or, you know, on an aesthetic level like practice the same rituals or anything. But those rituals are all in service of um uh you know, a faith and a religion which I think crosses you know, um crosses religions. Mm-hmm. And, and and people can relate to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I love that short. It was great. Um, yeah, it really got. I remember watching that. Those the you know in the theater, and that really got me stoked for what was coming next because I'm just like, oh wow, this is like yeah. really awesome short. Yeah, yeah, and this is the thing. I mean, like, it sounds like I'm a little bit down on Good Dinosaur, and you're less so, right? Yeah. Um, I mean. I am being really harsh because I still had a good time at the movies and I was not really super dis I didn't feel like I wasted my time. Mm-hmm. At least. Um I just felt like there were elements of the movie which I had seen before and were not being rearranged in a way that was surprising. Yeah, like, not not arranged in a way that made the movie fresh. Because it's one thing to reuse you know, mm. plot elements and uh, specific cliches, as long as they're done in a way that's unexpected or um, just something that no one's seen before. Because when that happens, then, you, then you'll then you notice that movies, you know, whether they're animated or otherwise, they get mm. praise for it. Yeah. And there are, there are certain ways, like, I mean, one of the, yeah, one of the things I, I realized about the bit of the good dinosaur is that, had this come out, I mean, not even technically, but just in the way it was directed, if it had come out um, even 
10 years ago. What year is it? So, yeah, if it, even if it had come out 10 years ago, I think it would have had an impact then. Mm. And it you kind just... of shows... For, for me, I, I can't imagine this film being made um, 10 years ago in the way mm. that it was, in like the directing sensibilities that it had. I would have expected that it would have have been forced to have like way more um, punchy dialogue and, you know, a lot more of the um, like visual um, like puns that it had, like with the farming and with the, because it has like quite Western feel to it. Yes, it does. And I felt, I feel like maybe probably it would have struggled to get away from those. I I don't know. They're, They're, it's still a really good movie. It's just <laughs> not quite there for me. It might it might not be every, every anyone um I say anyone everyone's cup of tea, but it is still oh, I, I still think it's yeah, worth watching. Yeah, incidentally, it's kind of inter- well. There's a really awful um, newspaper in the UK which is like the most popular tabloid, also unfortunately. Um, the Daily Mail, and I saw on their website that parents had taken their kids to see this mm-hmm. and had been horrified. What? Yeah, and was, I, I, I'm not sure how much of this is just like not worth talking about because it was obviously just like a puff piece in a in a tabloid newspaper. But yeah, like parents like said like it was way too violent, and oh, I I was taking my kid and. I didn't expect them to be crying their eyes out and um and all of this and like oh uh he his father you know I, Okay um, spoilers his father yes. dies and this and you know and he gets his head smacked against rocks multiple times and oh Well okay, okay, I can I I, I at least their there's torn off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing some people talk about that the the one scene with the bug and being really gross. Top it up. I I remember when I was watching the movies. I'm like, that's not. I mean, it, I'm not grossed out, but um, I can yeah. I can understand a little bit of of that because I mean, Arlo goes through a heck of a lot, and it, and one of, that's one of the things I appreciated about the movie was the fact that it really didn't skimp. It, I don't think it skimped out too much on you know when he had to go through some really serious physical struggles. It it basically made sure to let you know that he was he was struggling but um yeah for me it was really oh it was a really really strange case of that was really felt in like how terrifying nature was mm-hmm. like mother nature as like lightning and landslides and floods and things mm-hmm. but when it came to other dinosaurs like the lack of like the, the dinosaurs seem less dangerous than comparison. Yeah, exactly. Like the lack of teeth and blood. Like there's more blood and teeth in Finding Nemo with the sharks. <laughs> you know, when Dory gets yeah, no, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Smacked and uh, Bruce's eyes like roll over and go black, and yeah, like, yeah I yeah. felt far more threat from him than I did from any of the dinosaurs in The Good Dinosaur. Yeah, but. I mean. There was there was only one case where I thought that there was there was actually like legit you know a bit scary when it came to the other dinosaurs, but that was it was just that one time. It mm-hmm. was just that one time in the movie, and I won't spoil it for anyone since it's you know it's it's one of the I think it's one of the only big things that could possibly surprise you. But um, but yeah, well, I mean, 
I, I, to, I, I totally get where you're coming from. The, the, the nature, nature itself seems far more scary than any of the other dinosaurs in the film. And that's, and I mean, nature, I'm sorry, folks, nature is terrifying. So. Yeah. And this is why I just didn't like the response that the, that the parents had. It's like, you. It's like, you must be the parents who never let your kids go outside, right? Yeah, but, like, basically, if you want, like, Madagascar, take your kids to see that and see animals behaving like humans. But this film is really trying to do nature justice, I felt. Mm-hmm. And that I, that I really appreciated about it. Mm-hmm. The fact it had, like, as I said, like, in my review last week, it had quite an Eastern idea of nature, um, of, like, it not being good or bad or having a will it it's just, just nature of... being nature. Yeah, exactly. So, um, shall we like wrap that up and move yeah. on to our next movie? Yeah, let's let's. Uh, I think we've, cool. we've talked a good deal about good cool. dinosaurs, so let's so, move on to peanuts. Yeah, or as it's called here, Snoopy and Charlie Brown colon uh, peanuts movie. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's funny. And it, and it comes up on the title card in the in the movie, and there's barely enough time to read it before it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll do like non-spoilery talk first, and then. Okay, I sounds guess. good. I've I've got but I've got as still I say, six, as I so. kind of said, okay, so as I kind of said before, I don't think there's too much you can spoil. Because Not from, really, because it's. Yeah. If I'm, I'm just gonna get my opinion. Of this movie, right, right out in the open and just, you know, kind of just say it in just one, one long sentence. I love it. The animation is absolutely beautiful. It revitalized the peanuts as they were always, you know, meant to be portrayed. Mm. It didn't feel like a movie though. It felt like three connected, like, uh, three connected, uh, shorts in terms of just overall uh, feel. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I still loved it. I still enjoyed it the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. I loved, you know, the, the child actors who were cast as their characters did an amazing job. The anim- you know, I loved the, the whole Red Baron sequences with Snoopy. <laughs> yeah, was- yeah. They were, they were really cool. Um, I actually, I think I agree with you. I think, um, so, I mean, <sighs> My, my 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 biggest thoughts are like are this is that it it really is like so if the specials were like jazz pieces mm-hmm. you know like done very quickly off the you know um with small teams and just quite creative like this is like a very respectful rock tribute performance yeah where everything was like kind exactly. of exactly that's a slightly, great analogy everything was like the edges were kind of like um sanded off and like polished and it was fine and they still like they did everything that you would hope it would do and that you would expect it to do like you know they have the um they have the kids like doing all those funny dances that you remember from yeah uh, yeah yeah they they have the music cues and they have you know, um, you know, uh, 
you know, all the catchphrases that you want and the moments with the characters. But they were all things that I had seen in those specials. Yeah. And it, it, they didn't do, um, they didn't really try to do anything new, it seemed to me. And that is perfectly fine. I mean, if they were just yeah, so intent yeah. on recreating the feel of those, you know, of those specials, they did it perfectly. Yeah. I, I think I, the one thing I, I, I thought was really weird was the fact that it was kind of, um, so before the movie played, they had that scratch short. Oh, yeah, the, the, the scratch in space. <laughs> Um, which was funny enough, um, but I thought it was a really, really weird thing to put before peanuts. Because yeah, it was, it was, it's, it was kind of weird, just a little bit. Because I mean, I so used yeah. to seeing that with the Ice Age movies, but now that the Ice Age movies are done, I think that it's this is like now we, we they still want to try and have fun with that character and what kind of zany hijinks he can get up to. But it's, it's, I, I agree, it was a bit out of place before get you know watching it's, a. Peanuts movie. Especially, like, also in the UK, um, Peanuts is not really that much part of our culture. I think people who are interested, like, I think it ran in some newspaper. It must have done. Um, But aside from that, the specials are not regularly shown on TV at holidays or anything like that. Um, And I think people only kind of know it, like, um, via osmosis, really. Mm-hmm. Like they're aware of what Snoopy is and that it was a comic strip and that's kind of it. And I don't know if it, the movie is actually a very good introduction to the characters. I enjoy yeah, cause they, they, because they, 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 they reference a couple of things that were in previous, in previous uh, shorts, I think. Oh yeah. So that that makes it a bit, I mean, a lot of, uh, the, you know, Charlie Brown's insecurities are, are referenced as, you know, as previous, like, not just the shorts, but in the comic strips, too. Mm-hmm. No, so, I, was I, mean, fine with, I was fine with that. And actually, what you were saying about it not feeling like a movie, I was fine with that, too, actually, because if it had have had the beats that a movie, that, like, a, other movies had, I would have felt like that, would, that was being really, um, unfaithful to the source material. Yeah, yeah. Because you because like it really was like you got a sense there isn't there isn't one um strip or or special or anything that really you could say defines any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um you get a sense of them in these little snippets. You get like little snapshots of who these people are and what they think of the world um episodically really yeah and that's why the episodic nature of the movie didn't bother me so much um i, I yeah actually i i kind of i kind of like that um because also like it had a um it so so the biggest worry for me was that it wasn't going to be sad enough and that it was going to lean away from um, what, for me, makes Peanuts unique, which is the fact that it really leans into, um, like, melancholy, basically. Yeah. And I, I, I just loved it when, like, the movie, in the first like, 15 minutes, like, Charlie Brown just says, like, oh, I've come down with a real bad case of inadequacy. <laughs> And that's like the the last uh, 
that's the last line in that scene. And I was like, okay. That was when I breathed a sigh of relief. And I was like, okay, it's still Charlie Brown. It's like still... you're, 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 you're like, like, you're definitely watching Charlie Brown's. Like these kids are speaking like adults, you know? <laughs> That's, yeah, one of the thing, yeah, exactly. that's one of the things I always that always drew me to Peanuts, even as a kid. It's like, these kids speak like grown-ups. I wish I could talk like that. And then, so when I came in and sat, sat down and watched this movie, I got that exact same feeling all over again. It's like, yep, it's still Charlie Brown. It's still Linus. It's still Lucy. It's still Snoopy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but really, I, I'm, there were some kids in the, in the, in the screening with me, um, and they was probably old enough to like get the general gist of the story, mm-hmm. but I wonder how many parents like ended up taking their kids to this, who also you know like four year olds I'm thinking, mm-hmm. who, who 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 they also took the minions and they went in expecting minions, and the pacing of the film is not minions. I haven't seen minions, but I just expect that minions is bonkers. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, it, it's a really—it's got like a nice gentle pace, and I think that's probably why. And I understand why you say this. And for me, I—I I think the overriding atmosphere is that it is like a big TV special you happen to be watching in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Still um, liked it. It was still enjoyable. I mean. Yeah, definitely. I wasn't like ever bored. I think I got a little bit like restless with all of the Red Baron scenes. Yeah, no, I, I know just, exactly what you're talking about. Like, I think I, got, I felt just, the exact same way. Yeah, because I just didn't really care too much about Fifi and her redesign. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, come on, if you're gonna redesign, if you're gonna design a new Peanuts character, you give them dot eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I. I thought that was kind of. I was kind of odd. Um. But yeah, like uh, the movie actually really understood how to use Snoopy as well. I like that. It didn't like. It was under no illusion that Snoopy was. Like a weird, like stoner guy who just like hangs out with Charlie Brown, and is kind of entertaining, and you know has these grand ideas and everything, but. He doesn't really influence the story too much. Though I will say, if I want to just... I don't know if this is spoilers territory or not, but I just want to say... We the scene say where... If you want. Just, yeah. This, the scene where... Like, fairly early on in the movie where Snoopy discovers the typewriter. Mm-hmm. And he and Woodstock are kind of poking around with it, trying to figure out what it does. And then that's when he's... You know, he goes into the whole... Starts going into the whole Red Baron um, snippets. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really great. I mean, because, I mean, for people who are familiar with the shorts, you know, they know Snoopy's got that typewriter. But yeah. um, for kids coming into this movie, you know, younger kids, they probably <laughs> don't even know what a typewriter is. Oh, so, yeah. So okay. the entire point where Snoopy's looking at it, he's trying to figure it out. And so yeah. I'm probably thinking, like, any kid who's in that theater is like, what is that? It makes a ding when it does <laughs> And yeah. it's like, it looks like he's typing it. Yeah, it's no. Like, is, it's, that a, I, is that a precursor to an iPad? Yeah, exactly. Because like the text appears on screen, like in Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So actually, it was in the Red Baron sequences that my mind wandered a little bit. Sorry. 
about no, it's like okay. a, <laughs> I didn't mean like that, but it, it just did about like what was what was going on with the movie in the wider sense. Mm-hmm. And I really like began to wonder whether Peanuts really has a place in the 21st century. So what what I meant by that was like the fact that Snoopy was, um, you know, in those sequences, it was it was the Red Baron, and they say really purposefully it was World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that like it was kind of referencing World War One and it was. You know, it was doing the thing that you'd you'd hope a Peanuts um, movie would do, where it was like kind of timeless, but mm-hmm. also kind of tied to like that that, that like fifties America, like you know, um, view of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I began to really like watch it almost as a period piece because I just couldn't. Really, I really wanted to turn around and ask the kids who were watching the movie, like, is this speaking to you? Like, just to say anything to you about how, how things are in the 21st century. And like, if you, if, like, I think of the Lego movie really as being a 21st century film where, yeah, definitely, where it's really commenting on how, um, in the, in the Lego movie, um, oh, what is the main character called? Emmett. 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 His, his like dilemma of living is being in this town, which is like a, um, a heightened sort of 21st century city where he has like all of the problems that, that we all kind of feel like we're facing with, you know, um, being told what to do all the time and, you know, mass commercialism just being in your face the whole, the entire time and, you know, yeah. starbucking everything and coffees being, you know, 30 bucks. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I felt like there was not much in Peanuts which was, taking it beyond the 20th century too much. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I think doing that in a way would kind of, you know, that would, because if you, I mean, if you see, like, Lucy or, like, any one of the other characters, like, running around with an iPad, like, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to throw a wrench in the entire, okay, the entire thing. Yeah, I'm not actually even saying that. I know, Mm -hmm. I, I know what you're, I know what you mean. Um, but, like, the inclusion of the typewriter was just, for me, a little bit too much because I, I incidentally I think kids probably understand what a typewriter is. Mm-hmm. Um because well they're not common but I they might know. It was it was more just like the general and the fact that it was like a mixtape of like the best of peanuts. Yeah. I wondered like and it's, it's also the problem again with the, sh- with the comic strip where Schultz, you know, specifically requested that no one write new ones and, um, there's not, I, I, I wonder like what can be done with the material which runs with it that little bit further. And I felt like the film didn't 
the film was just a little bit too respectful really to do that oh yeah i know i i i get what you're saying it's i don't know and then in regards to the whole you know with that in mind if with the younger where your earlier question was that does it you know the peanuts have a particular place in uh you know this particular in, in this you know with the way that our century has been you know unfolding and like what everything that's going on in our society right now yeah exactly i just kind of felt like i, I, I kind of I get i'm kind of getting that same vibe yeah i i know that peanuts is like this other world and it's timeless and you go there and it's kind of like i imagine if i was american it would probably mean a lot more to me but i get the sense that like reading it now um you kind of it's almost like your father speak like a, a father figure speaking to you from the 50s and 60s like kind of saying mm-hmm. he had all these feelings too you know yeah and to me like that's kind of why it's lasted because the best literature does that you can go yeah. back to dickens and you can you can read dickens and you can like recognize that people have exactly the same relationships that they do now with people mm-hmm. um but yeah, there was something just almost a little bit cute about like, all right, you have those problems, and uh, that's very nice. But but it doesn't it doesn't teach me how to live in the twenty first century. And I felt like maybe, uh, and it's a really weird way to treat movies. But I was thinking maybe Lego Movie or even Inside Out did a slightly better job of answering that question. Not that, not that it's a required question to answer. Not that that was their goal that they set out to do. I just couldn't help but, like, find myself thinking about that stuff. Yeah, I get where you're coming from, from with you, uh, and if you look, really look at this movie, I, I can see why, you know, you would think that. And you're, you're, you're right. It's, it's, doesn't really, it's more of a, a, a piece on that particular period that, you know, the comic came out in, and, you know, the, the people who probably grew up with the, comics and the sh- and the shorts mm. and i mean i feel like i grew up because i know comics. the peanuts yeah i mean the comics still you know it's still you see it, see it in the paper i see it in the newspaper every single day so kids other kids you know younger mm. younger kids could be looking at the newspaper reading the comic section reading peanuts also so when this movie came out they're like oh i know those characters are there are they reruns in the in the paper I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah they are, because I've seen quite a few of the uh, older, uh, you know, comic strips that I've seen, I, I remember seeing years back. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's the weird thing. It's, it's not, it's not so visible here at all. And like I said, it's not on, the specials aren't like rerun, uh, Halloween or Christmas or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder what modern British audiences are, how they're going to react to it. Because really, I think they only really know Snoopy and Charlie Brown because of merchandising. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe from the comic strips, but they might be a little bit surprised at how it's not necessarily suitable for four-year-olds, basically. <laughs> and I, how I guess it's, really it's just going to, we'll have to wait and see what the reaction is. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, how is how does it seem to like have been received in the US? Um, it's been received fairly well. I mean, a lot of a lot of critics uh liked it, I think. And um mm-hmm. I mean, like they said the exact same thing that we're saying that you know, it's it's 
it does what it came to do, doesn't really link, you know, doesn't really try to do anything more, and, you know, some critics were disappointed by that, but at the same time, just like, if you are familiar with the, you know, the comic strip of the shorts, then this is, you know, you're going to get the warm, nostalgic fuzzies with this one. Exactly, and also, like, there would be uproar if it messed with the formula. Yeah. Really. So I, I, I... I really feel that it's a success mm-hmm. um, in that sense. Like it really Definitely. feels they move the right way, and I mean, and in actual fact, the animation is superior. It to, is to the animation of the old shorts because they it were so is. they were they were cheap little things, and they're very endearing in, in for what they are. But the, the animation is quite cheap, and this film looks quite lush and. As I said, like quite polished. Because it is, it, 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 yeah. it was amazing to watch, and yeah. it, how it brought exactly. this comic strip to life again. It was, being, it was fantastic. I, yeah, and I'm being a hypocrite because every time the movie did break out of that, like there's this, there's this one shot where uh, the little redhead girl's pencil um, rolls onto Charlie Brown's desk. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's like a real CG camera move where you, like, it moves through the depth of the scene. Yeah. Uh, and I was, like, I was really jarred by it. I was like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, like, Three dimensions! Yeah, like, if they had too much of that, then I probably would have, um... Uh, yeah, bolt a bit more. Um, two more <laughs> tiny things I want to, I want to, I want to mention. Okay. Um... Because I know you have to run. Do you have yeah. to run right now? As soon as possible. It would be All preferred. Right. But if it, if you still want to get like really quickly off your chest, then go right ahead. Just really quickly. Um, if you like this, you should check out My Neighbors of the Yamadas, which is... Yes, a, you mentioned them before. It's a Ghibli movie, okay, which is actually based on a long-running Japanese comic strip. Okay. And it has like a similar kind of way of working in that it tells a larger story through having little episodes and you get a sense of the characters' arcs and who the characters are through these little episodes um, and 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 also just like in the sensibility of really feeling like a newspaper comic strip. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that these movies kind of stand together in an interesting way. Alright, cool. Yeah, that's, that's it. And the other tiny thing was that I felt maybe it was a little bit dated that the little redhead girl would still call the little redhead girl because one of the specials did actually give her a name. I think she was called Heather. Ah. Yeah. And I just felt like, like I know she's not really a character. She's like an idea. She's like an idealized little girl for Charlie Brown. Mm hmm. I felt like I could have given her a little bit more in in that respect. But anyway, yeah. that's, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, I um I, I loved it. It was it was entertaining and it was peanuts. Which is It was thing. peanuts. It was definitely it was everything peanuts that anyone could have possibly asked for. So I think as far as that's concerned, the movie was a definite success, like we said. Yeah. So yep. Thanks, Dan and Rachel, for that very interesting conversation about those two films. Uh, sorry I couldn't contribute, um, because obviously I haven't seen them. 
and that would have been weird. Uh, you'll you'll get to see them in, in in due course, I'm sure. Yeah, and I will offer my thoughts if I have any worth saying. Uh, but thanks everyone for joining us for another AFA podcast. It's been awesome. Uh, you can keep up with everything we do on animationforadults.com. Find us on uh, Facebook, on Tumblr, and follow us at AFA blog. You can follow me at Mr. Christor. That's Mr. Spell out as a word, and then Chris T O R. And Dan, we can follow you. You can follow me on Twitter at Hamu H A W M W O. And Rachel, you can follow me at Fail Two Ninja. That is the uh, number two in Ninja. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to bother trying to spell it out all because I remember last time I tried that bad things happened. So I'm just going to say this: it's number two between Fail and Ninja. That's it. <laughs> awesome. Um, and you can follow us all at AFA Blog. And we will see you very soon for another episode of the AFA Podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.